You are listening to Did You Hear? 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 The Johnson County Library Podcast. We are coming to you from the Central Resource Library in Overland Park, Kansas. This is your Library Insider. This week on Did You Hear, our hosts Melissa and Dave chat with Nick Ward-Bopp, one of our makerspace facilitators, about the great resources we have in the Black & Veatch makerspace at Central Resource Library. But the makerspace isn't just at Central. We host maker programming at various other locations, too. But first, it's your weekly word. Loquacious. Tending to talk a great deal. Talkative. Welcome to Did You Hear? And as Amy told you, we're going to talk about the makerspace today. I'm Dave Carson, and I'm joined by... Melissa Horak-Hearn. With special guest... Nick Ward-Bopp. Hey guys, how you doing? Great. How you doing, homie? Uh, I'm I'm doing all right. I'm I'm very excited to talk about the makerspace because uh, this is one of those things that you know it's like it pops up in your lifetime and you didn't expect it. Much like the word yeet. <laughs> have you heard of this word? I have. <laughs> I discovered the word yeet the other day. Oh, Dave. <laughs> and I I didn't know about it, and now I want to yeet it up. I'm probably using it wrong. You are. <laughs> you are definitely using it wrong. I'm disappointed. This, this might be an inappropriate podcast. All is it, of a sudden. Is, this is might the be word yeet not appropriate? Oh, no, it's appropriate. Never mind. I, I was using it wrong. <laughs> uh, so I've, I've, uh, I, I think that it's used in the context of like when you're throwing something and or it's, it's uh, synonymous with like tossing or throwing. And so... I might yeet this idea out there, or you can say yeet as you throw something into the trash can. Yeet! I'm going to start using it. Why did the kids do that? Because they're cool. <laughs> That's not cool. Because... All it makes me think is about milking a cow. They are... And I've never milked a cow in my life. <laughs> They are makers of language. There you oh, go. Lord. Innovators. And that's our transition. Yeah, to that, our topic that was today, our segue. Which is which is makers. Um, so right. it so let's let's go back a little bit because we're here to celebrate the fact that the makerspace is celebrating its fourth birthday, but it might be a little older than that. Is it is it the celebration of the four years here at Yeah, the Black and Beach Makerspace when it moved into Carmack. Okay. Um, what where Carmack used to be. And we renovated the library. Um, so we've been there now for almost four years. Um, but we did have a small room in the middle of the library. Um, I remember that. Starting it in 2013. Yeah. Back when Robert Barr was the IS manager and um, Meredith Nelson ran the makerspace. And that is before both of your times. And so I can tell you this, that that was kind of a little meeting room that was split into two sections. And one housed our... Um, ADA equipment, yeah, maybe? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, and I'm not sure. I, th I think the other part was um, an office because there was a desk, uh, public service desks there, and they had a lot of supplies and things. But it was so exciting to see that little office space transformed into something the public could use. And there was a green screen, and uh, we started shooting our uh, photos for our staff with that green screen. And so if you go to the About Us section, Meet Our Staff, you'll see that we, we have all of our staff um, photographed. And if you mouse over, there's something exciting that happens with each of those photos. And of course, you all know that, but maybe our audience doesn't. 
what was so exciting though with the central building upgrade or update uh, was that a very large room, the Carmack Community Room, then became the makerspace. So tell us how that happened. Yeah, you went from being the maker alcove to the makerspace. Yeah, I mean, when you have an administration, um, uh, a library staff, a community that knows how important um, something like a makerspace is and then goes out and gets uh, financial backing from um, an awesome uh, uh, company uh, in Black and Beach. Um, that's how that happens. So, um, you know, there's a need for young engineers, minority girl in- engineers who um, otherwise may not know that that's a track for them. Um, and, you know, Black and Beach knows that there's not, um, there's an employment gap in finding talent for young engineers in the area. So this is a way for them to not just get back to the community, but also inspire and potentially, you know, get some um, engineers on track um, at a young age. Um, you know, and our administration committed to having um, full-time staff um, and not just a big square foot um, footprint and all the equipment that goes into it um, but you know we're open six days a week Um, I was pulling some stats um, just to prepare for the podcast and just guess how many people have come through our doors in the makerspace since opening in 2016 I'm I'm gonna guess 1,900 no 198,871. You That's, cheated. You cheated. Did I? Yes. I, I sent you that stat. Dang it. <laughs> it might be on the paper that I just read. So, yeah, just under 200,000. So um, Melissa's shaking her head. Now, that's not something the audience can hear, but, but I appreciate that she disapproves my, my <laughs> corny humor. So yeah, Manipulating so, our people. We have had a ton of people come through the space. Um, a lot of users, um, around 200 um, per day, come into the makerspace. 200 per day. Yeah. So, so almost 200,000. That blows my mind. That's remarkable. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, what's really remarkable is those 200,000 people don't just get access to the software and the materials and the equipment, but they have access to our own genius bar. Right. A.K.A. our makers. Well, uh, let's start there, Nick. What's your story? How did you get into this whole maker movement? Um, So uh, a friend of mine and I bought an old building and wanted to learn how to rehab um, a a building and learn how to, you know, manipulate materials and do construction. And um, that kind of uh, led into learning about design building materials um, and then you know we opened up a community wood and metalworking shop um, and so that you know really learned about the maker movement learned about all these online resources learned about the local maker movement um, and kind of um, really you know that entrepreneurship um, you know how you, how to design build yeah. um, how to work with you know, people in the community with projects and uh, with in- inspiring ideas that they have. And uh, had you always been handy? Were you the no. type of kid that no, you no. weren't the type that like rip apart a, a a radio to see how it works? Or no, no, I really wasn't. Didn't take um, shop class or metal. I did. Class? I did take shop class and loved it. But uh-huh. That's um, in, in high school, um, and it's you know hasn't changed much since I I was in high school. Graduated in two thousand five. Um, you know, there's not many tracks that aren't for kind of workforce development like if you're going into a 
uh, track for learning how to use your hands in, in high school, it's usually like HVAC. So you're going to learn how to, you know, um, manipulate, uh, uh, you know, metal, sheet metal to, uh-huh. you know, sure to service um, heating and air. Or, or, or welding. Or, uh, or welding for automotive applications, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so if you're going to learn how to fix cars or you're going yeah. to like a track to learn how to do networking and computers. Um, so these a lot of these specific tracks, which are great for a small subset that need it, but there's not many options for like the industrial, industrial arts or, you know, woodworking, metalworking, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I graduated a couple of years before you did. And at my high school, it was the same thing. Um, like we had one one wood shop class that you could take that was kind of an intro to shop. And I loved that. I absolutely adored working with the wood and working with the materials. But then you went straight from there into like metal working. And then after that, you went into AutoCAD design. There was no other... Like, there was no other route for somebody who just wanted to keep playing with wooden saws and learn how to make cabinets or something. Yeah. It seems like carpentry, I mean, carpentry is one of the most valuable skills that sure. you can have when you need to maintain a space, maintain your home or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to find those skills outside of a well, school you, anymore. You, like, for, for, for my my era, um, and just several years before yours, <laughs> um, it it seemed like it was so much more self-guided. It's like yes. whatever, wherever your curiosity took you. And I, I should mention that, uh, you know, we learned to do all kinds of different things. And um, one of the things we did was arc welding, and mm-hmm. I welded nice. the table, as most of us did. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you're completely blind, and you have this stick, and it only turns on once you make contact it's with like the metal. Like a passage. Mm-hmm. And are you going to? touch the piece of metal that's sitting on the table or are you going to hit the table you're going to hit no. the table every time <laughs> so, I so at the table. now we've got auto darkening lenses so oh. you can see and then when it arcs oh. it then illuminates just the area so it's basically like you know when you, there's a lunar eclipse or, or, or a total eclipse you have the shade glass yeah. yeah it's like that except you can see through the shade glass so it's an auto darkening um and so that's, that's a game changer technology. and that's now you know ubiquitous in a metal shop so they didn't have that yeah until you know five ten years ago so i want to get back to this idea of of being <laughs> a, kind of a, a self-guided kind of curious person that's one way but then there's also the more formal tracks and so um let's kind of jump in there so folks that um maybe need that kind of formal track. Yeah, I mean, the makerspace for some is really intimidating. So there's so many different pieces of equipment. There's so much software. You know, where do you start? So we usually recommend just coming to a beginner's night. That's a great way to see all the equipment, see examples of what you can make with each piece of equipment, what materials you need to bring, how to prepare, what what file types you need. So that's a great way to start in the makerspace. Um, if you want to really get in a classroom and you, you think you really need that, that classroom learning mm-hmm. before you get in the makerspace, we have classes for that. So we have intro to sewing where you can actually bring in your own sewing machine um, or we have sewing machines we can provide for you and an instructor to teach you how to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an intro to 3D modeling, which is in our learning lab. Um, so that kind of teaches you not just how to use the really um, user-friendly 3D modeling software called Tinkercad, but also the next step of how to take that and then 3D print it. So we have uh, a class for that. 
um, good. an intru- introduction to microcontrollers. So if you have no idea how to code, you have no idea how um, a, a small microcontroller works, something like a Raspberry Pi right. or a microbit, that class would be a great, great start. That's um, exciting, yeah. You can also just sign up. So you don't yeah. need to you don't even need to have a library card, you don't need to have any classes, you don't need to have any, you know, anything. You can just sign up for a piece of equipment. Right. Check, you know, maybe read through the frequently asked questions on our website and then show up and we'll show you how to use it. Well, I want to ask you about the classes. So, are the classes um, determined by the makerspace staff? Are there different community groups that come and say, hey, we'd like to have a class on this? Or are there people that are makers that just come to you and say, hey, I'd really like to, you know, uh, come with my friends or maybe meet other people that want to learn how to do something in the makerspace? It's a good question. Um, Our classes have evolved from um, a combination of things, knowing what is not being offered from, you know, JCCC or the local uh, other organizations that are educators, um, seeing what people are constantly getting tripped up with in the makerspace where they need more help, um, and then also just what people are looking for when they come in and they're maybe they're expecting one thing but they're seeing another so just kind of all that that feedback loop that we're we're getting that's kind of where the classes come yeah come from. so take us back to about four years ago we have all uh you know this this brand new shiny space with all this brand new equipment and people come in to use it did we have programming offered right away no so so people came in and how did you handle that i mean yeah, we, we didn't have any classes at that point. Um, we did have some on and off programming, um, but now our classes are monthly. So, yeah, we listened. We listened to people. Um, we understood that some would not make the jump of signing up for a piece of equipment unless they took a class because they felt that that was what they needed to do um, to be um, you know, comfortable, confident to use the equipment. Um, and we were kind of resistant to that at first because, or, or, you know, just sign up for, you know, a slot. We're, we're here to help. We're knowledgeable. We'll help you. But for some people, it really was a, a, a an obstacle or a boundary. So, yeah. so that was, you know, um, and we have the learning lab, which is awesome. Um, and right. it doesn't get utilized, um, as much as some of the other study rooms and conference rooms, um, and meeting rooms in the library. So it's great for us. Yeah, I, I do understand that hesitation that people have because, I mean, I, I have some skills. Mm-hmm. You know, I live in a really old house, and so I have to fix random things all the time, and I've MacGyvered my way out of all kinds of things. But there's something about walking into that room surrounded by equipment that, like, I just see dollar signs all around <laughs> me. Sure. And I'm so good at breaking things anyway that, that that was a real barrier to me wanting to use any of the equipment in there. But you're right. You guys are so enthusiastic about the work that you do and so supportive of people when they come in that you seem to be able to read like the confidence versus competence arc pretty darn well. Yeah, and it's not so different than what librarians do at the desk. You know, somebody That's comes in point. and say, you know, I'm looking for this. And, yeah. um, and they start telling you about... Th- authors that they like or genres that they like and and you're kind of trying to then you're doing some weird formulaic you know um and and you're like oh yeah that this would be a good thing to check out you know so for us it's we we listen to what they're trying to do what their background is and then we might steer them towards a piece of equipment or a piece of software that might work best for them because we're trying to help them have a good experience we're trying to help them um, achieve whatever goals that they set 
you know, um, or just they're having trying to maybe have a positive experience and a learning experience. And so we're trying to yeah. just help them through that. That's a really great point that even though it's pieces of equipment like 3D printers and things like that instead of you know, graphic novels that you guys are still librarians and that is still a library space. And so the whole point of us having those machines in there, my guess, would be to provide access to the people who don't normally have it. So you're doing the same thing that we do at the desks every day or on the phones, but you get to play with lasers. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think it's also interesting. So folks that may be intimidated by the equipment and just jumping in, Choosing that class or a program as that entry point, do you find that then after they experience that, that, you know, the the sky's the limit, you know, that that, that really is the starting point that gets them running off uh, into other things? and We see that they come back. Yeah. So, um, you know, many times people will come in and say, I took the class with Jeff, you know, in Intro to 3D Modeling, or I took the class with Whitney in, in Intro to Sewing, and they're, and they're here, and they've got their stuff, and they're, right. they, they know what they're supposed to do. And, and they're, they, they're ready for they know what that next step then. is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's pretty cool to see that, that confidence build and them, you know, following that track that they kind of made for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, it really is a pleasure to see how empowered people feel after we've been able to provide them the access to what they need, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And so um, all ages, too. Mm -hmm. when, when did you all start the Makerspace Passport program? That would have been, oh man, I think it would have been our first year. Really? Yeah, I think we did it our first year, um, and we did it in the Makerspace in 2016. So um, if you can imagine, um, we had... A program that ran all hours of the day while we also had all the equipment in the makerspace oh um, that was a, a geared towards kids age 6 to 12 but their yeah. parents would come too so it was um, you know have you, have you ever watched a kids soccer game where the <laughs> right. the, the, the ball um, you just have like 10 people following right, the ball right. um, wherever the table was that was set up with the you know all the materials that's what it it was like you know uh, it was pretty crazy so we learned a whole lot we sure. it was so cool to see that much interest and um, and excitement in, in getting kids into STEAM at such a young, young age. Oh, sure. Um, that's science, technology, engineering, art, design, mathematics, you know, like projects that kind of stimulate that and, and also give you some foundation in that. Yeah. Um, but we moved it to the to Picard um, for the next couple of years. And Which is a conference room here at Central yes, Resource Library. Yes, right next to the kids area in, in Central Resource. Um, and then after that, um, this last year, we made a big jump and extended the weeks and moved out to the branches. So we went to five different branches this year which was awesome excellent yeah and yeah. really collaborated with our youth services department which is something we hadn't done in the past we were kind of doing it on our own this year we really worked on collaborating from you know we started working on it right after um, the last year's passport program yeah. had stopped and started working with our youth services department 
Um, what, what a great built-in oh, resource, was, right? Because they're, awesome. they're, they're yeah. used to having programs for kids. Yeah, it was awesome. And they were taking ideas um, that we had done in years past and kind of, you know, augmenting it and, and changing it and making it better because they know their their patron base. You know, they know the people that are coming in every day um, and they know their staff and how it will work. So it was really cool. Yeah. And that, really that collaboration that you built isn't just restricted to summers anymore. Um, you've you've expanded that into something else, right? For the Maker Passport program? Um, actually, I was thinking about the drop-in program. Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, Angelica Sandoval um, is a, our newest maker um, who joined the team, um, has a crazy background in uh, metalworking. Um, she's a ceramic artist and really accomplished um, she's awesome um, she also came in and kind of saw some gaps in what we were providing as far as programming um, and we told her you know we had struggled in the past reaching teens and um, she was like okay and then she just started coming up with team programming um, which is really cool and um, the she worked with um, Kate McNair in, in our um, outreach you know youth services and um, and the rest of the maker team and um, central staff here at Central Resource Library yeah. and and have come up with some cool programs. Well, how has that gone? It's gone really well. Attendance um, is good. Yeah, yeah. Um, anywhere from twenty to forty kids. Wow. Um, and really targeting the kids that are here, that are you know walking and biking here, and that are here anyways. And they're and looking for something to do. Yeah. Some. <laughs> Some are just like, hey, man. The ones who are attracted to it jump in with both feet, though. Yeah, yeah. It's been really cool. So we've done beat making with a, an instructor who's a I – man, he's pretty decorated. I don't know the, the, the his background um, wholly because I totally forgot it. But um, he's uh, – I want to say he's a Grammy, um, like a, a regional Grammy winner. Uh-huh. Um, and he's a producer. Um, he's got a big – background in music um so that was really cool he he taught some some of the the youth to learn how to make make their own beats because right now when kids come into the sound booth what they'll do is download an instrumental then they'll sing over that instrumental so nobody's making their own instrumental or their own beats and so we we kind of realized that's a gap especially for teens um, and we're trying to teach them that because that leads to producing engineering sound engineering yeah Yeah. so well and just the the construction of the beat itself takes so many different skills and there are so many moving parts to it oh yeah right big time and and that's something where our staff is super knowledgeable we don't have that skill set you know i i don't have a uh, engineering a sound engineering background Um, um, so, you know, that was really cool. Um, another program we did was a drawing program. So um, an Art Institute grad that um, is a uh, really, really good artist and is teaching basically the, the basic mechanics, the basic foundations, how to draw characters, how to draw backgrounds, um, and came in and we had this huge whiteboard set up um, and, and an illustration that that artist had actually created, and the kids were filling it in, coloring, drawing their own um, uh, characters and putting them up on the board, which was really cool. Um, and we did a time lapse of it, which which turned out really cool. Um, was that the the big scene that was in the central children's area you got it yeah that was magnificent yeah it was that was one of my favorite things that we have ever had up and we also did um vinyl cutting so we taught the kids how to make their own you know stickers and um um, kind of logos inside um 
buttons with button making kind of did both. So you learn how to vinyl cut and the foundational kind of knowledge of using a, a vinyl cutter or any of the equipment in the software is vector drawing. Right. And so we taught them vector drawing without them really knowing it and then how to use the equipment with, with the goal of just getting a sticker out of it. But they learned how to use the equipment. They learned how to you you know use the software, which is really cool. You're kind of like tricking them into learning yep. it, you know. That's project-based learning at yeah, its best. Yeah, it is. So, Nick, I want to ask you, um, in these past four years that you've uh, been a Makerspace facilitator, what's been your favorite program? And, and I... I'll, I'll let you think for a second, and I'll turn to Melissa, and I'll say, you know, I hate it when people ask me questions like what my favorite is. Because right? seriously, it's, yeah. like, what's your it's a tough song? one. We, we also get asked, what is your favorite thing that's ever been made in the Makerspace? See, which and that is was going to be my next it's question. It's a very paralyzing question. And, I've yeah. Got, but I've got one for that. Okay. Um, I think I think we've talked about it in a but previous have, podcast, yeah. so I'm not going to revisit it. My favorite program... Um, it's it's got to be the uh, the fix it the bike repair. Oh really? Yeah, I I just really like it. But you but you're a big bike. I'm partial. Yeah, yeah. I'm partial to it. Um, yeah. And the fact that it it sits outside and can be used all hours, it's just yeah. pretty pretty cool. That's very good. That's very cool because there are some specialized tools that you need to maintain a bike that it's just not. It's not feasible to carry them around with you and to buy them and then find a place to stash them until that off chance that you need them. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. There yeah. was another program that was amazing that was from Laura Spencer, who's a contributor at KCUR. She was our maker and resident. Right. And it was called SoundQuest, if I'm not mistaken. And she had recorded sounds all over the library. So this could be... I don't know, books getting reshelved, the sorter, oh. um, doors opening and closing. Just and and you had to so the the people who came to the program, she uh, and Thomas, Thomas helped rig up, of course Thomas helped rig up this thing that would play back the the sound and you hit a button and, and it would play um, the sound and they had to guess oh, they had to go fantastic. out into the library and kind of find out you know, where that, that sounds like it was a pretty, pretty darn yeah. fun game to make it was pretty fun. I, I wonder if these sounds still exist because um, listeners of the program know that after our interview we always close every episode with what we call library Z, library oh. and that is sound that we record all around the library um uh but you boy, looking for some vintage library that, sounds? That, I mean, you know, record, might have them. recorded by a professional like Laura Spencer from KCUR. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I usually just go around with my little recorder. And, uh, yesterday, I recorded our, our boiler room and, um, you know, other equipment that, that we one. have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> good haunted house sounds. Well, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, to consider the size of a boiler that you have to heat a facility like the Central Resource Library, um, it's kind of scary because, I mean, it's, it's intimidating. It's like, okay, 30 seconds is long enough to be standing next to Don't this thing. Don't anger. You have know it's not boiler. going to explode, but, of course, it, it probably would be that one moment <laughs> that I'm standing there recording it, and that's how I go out of this world and the Did You Hear podcast ends. We, 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 <laughs> that got dark. <laughs> we would definitely have an episode dedicated to that kind of ending. Got to do a cool explosion sound. Well, so I feel like we've covered some history of the makerspace and where we're at now. What's the future? 
Um, we're working on some new classes. So um, we've had the uh, 3D Thursday, which is an introduction to 3D modeling. Um, we're working on an advanced 3D modeling class um, that uses another program from Autodesk, which Autodesk okay. is the the pro. Um, the manufacturer, I guess. Um, do, do the makerspace facilitators have these skills, or do you have to bring in outside uh, instructors? We do have these skills, but we can't... You can't teach everything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, and um, there are instructors out there, some that are, you know, patrons of the of the library who yeah. are, you know, better at that. That's their craft. Right. You know, is, is, what is, a great way to connect to the community. And, I mean, that's, that's our mission, too. Yeah. You know, the community's collective wisdom, you know. Yeah. So we're working on that class, and then we're also looking for a vector drawing instructor. So this would be teaching Inkscape or Corel Draw or Illustrator, huh. um, which really, um, I've, I've said this already a couple times on the podcast, that that is a really important foundational skill for yeah. using digital fabrication. Understanding lines and that they not only give you your design, sure. but they also control the machine. So where you put those lines mm -hmm. down, whether it's fill or the, that is the tool path. And so once, you know, uh, people understand how to create those paths, mm -hmm. create those basic designs, um, then they can really, you know, let loose using the equipment. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's a foundational skill outside of creative, like artistic mm -hmm. ends too. Um, I'm a map nerd. And one of my degrees is in geospatial information systems. And vector drawing came in huge when we were using GIS and building maps and building files and things like yeah. that. I mean, that's the basis of all of the cool things that we're able to do with GIS. Wow. Yeah. And coordinates, you know, you're, yep. you are, are really important for vector drawing or digital fabrication as well because the beds that everything's being built on or being cut from are on an x and y coordinate sure and so you're just telling the motors where to go on that x and y coordinate and then the z adds in your third dimension so that's right. the height so those you know understanding that and understand that all it's doing all that program is doing is sending those coordinates to that stepper motor to move to that at that time and you know then it all it makes it a little bit easier. It makes you, you know, able to wrap your head around what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's amazing how the the skills that you learn, they become transferable to other programs and uh, different things. Yeah, I, I was thinking, you know, um, I used to do a lot of vector-based stuff because I was a Flash animator. Mm -hmm. Flash has gone <laughs> away, sort of like, you know, it's a tumbleweed of uh, the digital world. But um, it was a lot of fun because, you know, I've got to do animation and um, a lot of tweening and things like that. And it was, uh, it was very cool. But um, what I found is that all of the techniques and skills um, that were involved with that, they're transferable to Photoshop or Illustrator or, or uh, video design, audio. There's so many different things that, you know, they're applicable to. So, Well, and even if those skills aren't necessarily directly transferable, it, it trains you in a, in a frame of mind. It trains you to see space in a different way and to understand space in a very different way than you may have before. And yeah. that in itself can lend itself to a lot of good uses. What else can we uh, look forward to in the future of the makerspace? 
We've got um, more drop-in team programming um, in the spring, um, and You're that continue to go out to the branches, right? N- no, the drop-in programming is basically something we're testing here uh-huh. at Central with okay. a lot of the teens that hang out in, at Central. Right. Yep. right. Um, so that's something, um, and Helica is going to continue to work on with our support, um, and we're going to, you know, figure out new ways to to teach kids um, how to use the equipment and then hopefully get them hooked and yeah. get them using the makerspace. Um, one thing to kind of help with that, something we got recently is a heat press. So you can cut vinyl that is heat transfer vinyl and then you can put it on textiles. So you can put your own logos on your own shirts. You can oh. put, you know, um, you know, graphics on, on the pant leg of your sweatpants. Yeah. Um, you can do, you know, put stuff on koozies. You can do so many cool things. That's great. Um, and, y- you know, kids are... A lot of times they may identify with a brand, you know, and that, or they have fandom, you know, so they might be really into, to whatever, you know? Um, and so you can take that whatever and you can put it on your, your gear, you know, um, you can go to the, go to the thrift store, get a, get a sweatshirt and go make it into, you know, a Supreme sweatshirt. You know, my son has been begging for a wild kratz flag we've got a royals flag on the front of our house mm-hmm. and he thinks that the other side of the porch needs a wild kratz flag because that's wild his favorite kratz? show it's a wild kratz wild kratz um have you heard of the kratz brothers the Boomafu? no okay well they are pbs stars who are animal gurus oh cool and they go to all of these different places around the oh. world and meet cool animals and it's an animated series like these are two actual human beings huh. and they open the show but then it's an animated series that has them going on adventures with all these cool animals oh interesting That's yeah fun. so i think that i may have just found my kids christmas present there you cool. go yeah, and right now, I mean, as I speak, people are in working on last-minute Halloween costumes. So the sewing machines are humming, the 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 heat press is is clicking. You know, yeah. Um, how cool is that? Yeah, yeah. I actually cool. had a trunk or treat project that I was going to do last week, and then we all got sick, and I had to skip it. Well, you know, and uh, Melissa, you bring up a good point. This is a good time to start thinking about the the holidays, and uh, it's a good time to start planning out your gift and. Come to the makerspace. Um, you know, I've, I've said it before. I've shared my story about how one year I made my own homemade vanilla, and I bought bottles, and I used the uh, makerspace uh, laser etcher to uh, put my – I developed my own logo, and I etched it onto the, the bottles. And I'll tell you, a gift that you make yourself, that you give to someone, people just appreciate it so much more. It, you can you – can, it's the the authenticity of their reaction that you know they they really appreciate because it's made with love it is Mm -hmm. and if you make it with love at the makerspace then it won't turn out looking cruddy either (laughs) because your mom's gonna your mom's gonna love the card that you drew for but she's probably gonna love a a cutout sign of the kansas city skyline that you created for even more Mm. well nick I want to thank you so much for coming today, and it's great to see the makerspace being such a continued success, and that it's so well used and such an important part of the library. And I think you did a really great job of just really showing 
how this is an extension of library services. It really is. It sure is. Certainly. Such an important part of it. And so we look forward to seeing you again in a couple months. Uh, and I think we're going to try to get some actual makers to come talk about some other projects. Awesome. Yeah. I and mean, there are so many cool um patrons that are doing really phenomenal work so i'm always like we got to tell their stories we got to tell their stories and i think this would be a great way to good i look forward to it all right did we miss a question you wish we would have asked do you have thoughts or stories about today's topic share them with us on facebook facebook.com slash joko library And now, our writer's quote of the day. Hi, this is Laura Hunt. I'm the branch manager at the Central Resource Library, and my quote is from Walt Whitman's Song of Myself. Do I contradict myself? Very well, then I contradict myself. I am large. I contain multitudes. Thanks. Bye. We leave you with sounds from one of our locations. It's your audio minute we call Library Zen. Episodes of Did You Hear? Go to the Johnson County Library website, jocolibrary.org/slash Did You Hear.